Well, good morning, Cornerstone, and thanks for the chance to allow me to be here this morning with you guys and grateful for this opportunity. I just want to say thanks to Greg and Amanda for the invite and uh, allowing me to come over. And as they said, my name is Brad Quillen, and I work for Jessica's House, which is partnering with you guys and uh, part of that build right behind your property here uh, to where we can allow families to come that have lost a family member to some form of death and allow them to heal and find hope again. So I just want to say thanks again for letting me be here, and I'm encouraged that as this morning as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, that God might just do a little work in each of us this morning. We're not going to take long to look at it, because I know this video thing is a little different, uh, but wanted to open the Word of God together. Before we do that, I just want to remind you today is communion, and so if you need to take a couple moments to grab uh, your communion supplies, the, the bread and the, the, the wine, uh, that you would do that, or juice, whatever you prefer. Before we get into that this morning, though, uh, I realize today is August 2nd. As some of you watch this, it might be later in the week, but Sunday morning the 2nd when a lot of you see this. And as Greg shared a little bit ago this morning, uh, Amanda starts chemotherapy tomorrow on Monday at Stanford. <clears throat> and I just wanted to take some time and allow us, as before we open God's Word, to just pray for Greg and to pray for Amanda as they start this treatment and this new season in life. And so I'm just going to pause and give you about 30 to 40 seconds that we all as a church, as a body of believers, would stop in this moment and just pray. And then in a few moments, I'll go ahead and close us in prayer. But would you go to the Lord on behalf of Amanda and Greg right now? Father, we come before you on behalf of Greg and Amanda, especially God, tomorrow, Monday, as she starts chemotherapy. Father, we pray for peace, for patience, and for healing. And Father, um, we love them dearly. So God, as they enter into this new day and new chapter, God, would they know you more and more? Not easy days ahead, God, <clears throat> but they're not days that they're alone. May the community, may the body, may the church come around to support, to carry, to step in for, to bless, and to be with in this season. So, Father, we lay them at your feet. We say, your will be done. We love them. We love them a lot. It's in the name of Christ that we pray this. Amen. Thank you, church. And this morning, we start a new series here at Cornerstone on the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you have your Bible, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And I just want to read that for you this morning. Uh, out of the NIV from 1984. I'm an old school guy on the NIV, <clears throat> so I want to read this to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this morning, when we just take a few moments here this morning, we're just going to kind of focus on this word love for just a few moments this morning as we focus on love and the elements of communion. But a couple things that I find interesting as I just read these first verses at my first glance 
Against such things, there is no law. And I think about that today in our country and in our world. There are no rules or laws against love. Or many of these fruits of the spirits of joy, of peace, of patience, of self, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There are no laws against those things. And as we think about this idea of love, <clears throat> there's no law against that. What I find interesting is that the writer, Paul, makes it clear that there's a fruit. There's no S. It's singular. It's not plural. And I was interested in that, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, but it's one. There is one fruit that is manifested in nine ways. I don't think it was a, a mistake that, that Paul wrote love first. I think love is the cornerstone in which these are all then predicated upon. It doesn't mean it's more important. It's just the first in which these then flow out of, the other eight flow out of. There is one fruit that is manifested in nine ways. In this chapter five, I, I'm fascinated that the, the title of this chapter is Life by the Spirit, that how we would live as God's children living with the Spirit, that we, uh, on our new birth, that we're living by the Spirit, that the old has gone and the new has come, that we're living that redeemed life in Christ. So as we look at this idea of love, the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Spirit is love. Again, I think it's not coincidence that Paul makes this the first of the list of nine. Love. It's interesting. In our culture, we love everything. If you look on social media, people love their dog. They love their cat. They love their food they have. They love their car. We love this. We love that. And it's almost a word that's overused. We love everything. I love my new shoes. But I find it fascinating that this is the first in the fruit of the Spirit and that all this has to do with relationships and how we live our lives on earth. But everything in this passage and even the verses before is referring to relationships and how we live our lives. And I'm fascinated by relationships and uh, the relationships that I have in my life and those that uh, from when I was a kid to the relationships I have today and my family uh, that there's so many relationships that I have at work and around my neighborhood and the other places that I interact. That Paul is using the fruit of the Spirit that these would be seen in relationships. In verses 16 through 26, uh, the title of that passage is Life by the Spirit. And if we look just before that, in chapter 5 and verse 1, the title of that is Freedom in Christ. And so we start to see that as Christ renews us and restores us, and we find freedom in Him, that this is the outpouring of what a life lived in the Spirit looks like. The fruit of the Spirit. That it's not just we would have a few of these, but we would have all nine of these. And sometimes I think as Christians we like to say, oh, well, I, I don't have that fruit of the Spirit. No, you, you do. You just need to pray that God would use that more or renew that more or restore that more in you. Some of these are easier than others for some of us, and I get that. In my own life, I look at the list of nine and think, there's the ones that I, uh, I don't like that one sometimes. But 
that doesn't mean God doesn't want it to be fruitful in my life in that way. And so I need to look and go, God, would you do a work in me that that might be more fruitful? I'm convicted on when I hear relationships because a number of years ago, I was sitting down with a, a mentor of mine, someone that I looked up to greatly uh, as a pastor and uh, looked to for advice. And uh, anytime I could ask questions about the ministry, I was younger. Uh, when I uh, tell you this story, <clears throat> I was about 19 years old. I got to sit down with this gentleman, and I just remember asking him, uh, if you were to give me a young guy going into ministry, I was 19 or 20 years old, I remember sitting at his kitchen table and had this piece of paper, and I just remember saying, if you would teach me one thing that I need to know about ministry, what would that be? And I remember he kind of sat back in his chair, put his hand to his chin, and he just looked back at me, and he said, you know what, kid? There's three words that ministry comes down to, just three. Relationships are everything. Relationships are everything. And if you fast forward 20 years now, I believe that's more true today in my life than it was when I wrote it down on that piece of paper sitting in his living room or in his kitchen at the kitchen table. The relationships are everything. For those of you who don't know, Jessica's house is a grief center for families that have lost a family member to some form of death. And so for the last number of years as I've worked there, <clears throat> I get the reminder that relationships are everything. But yet we get so distracted with the stuff of this world and the worries of what we might have or might not have, or what we look like, or what we might post, or what we might obtain. But I don't hear stories about those things when I sit at a grief center and work with families. I hear about the relationships. And I'm reminded of that more and more as I read the fruit of the Spirit, that, that, the, that this fruit would be manifest in the relationships in which we have. Relationships are everything. And I'm convinced of this as I sat in Bible college many years ago, when I remember my Old Testament professor, Dr. Schaefer, reminding us over and over and over that if you want to know the theme of the Bible or the thesis of the Bible, it's also in three words. And as not the greatest student, I remember sitting there one day as Dr. Schaefer said that and just writing down, what are those three words? Like, if I can learn anything in this Old Testament class, what are the, what's the thesis of the Bible in three words? I can remember that, right? And so Dr. Schaefer reminded us, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, give us the thesis of the Bible, which says this. This is after the fall of uh, chapter 2. says this, Then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as they were walking in the garden and the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, to the man. And here's the three words that Dr. Schaefer reminded us over and over and over are the thesis of the Bible. Those three words are, Where are you? This is the first thing that we see God do in Genesis after the fall. He goes out into the garden to find man and woman after they sinned. And I know he says, where are you? As if he didn't know where they were, he knew where they were. But it was his way, I believe, 
of starting that conversation, of renewing that relationship. Why? Because relationships are everything. Relationships are everything. So even in the midst of the fall, God models for us that relationships are the first priority. It's the first thing we see God do after the fall. It's in Genesis 3 where he goes out, not to say literally, where are you? Because I'm God, I don't know. Yes, he knew where they were. But it was to start the conversation. And I think if you go even further into that, we could say God's saying, where are you spiritually? Where are you with that relationship? Where are you with the relationship with me? Where are you? And I know, I say relationships are everything, and there's some of you that are watching this that just say, Brad, you have no idea what's happened in the relationship with this person or what this person's done to me. I know. I don't know. What I can offer you, though, is the hope of my own life and the reality of a father that left my mom before I was even born. And so that started for me a 20-plus year battle over bitterness, a 20-year battle of not wanting anything to do with my father. And just for the sake of time today, I'm not going to go into all the details, but what I will say is that I have seen over the last 20 years of my life a bit of a restoration and renewal of that relationship. Relationships are everything. And I was convicted some years ago while in college about my relationship with my father here on earth and uh, that I needed to work through that. Because I'm reminded as we think of communion this morning that some of the words uh, of Paul and of Jesus uh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And so if I want Christ to forgive me, I need to forgive those that have hurt me. And I know some of you are welling up with tears and just saying, Brad, I can't forgive. I get it. I get it. I would just say, start praying about, God, might this ever be? God, you're infinitely wise and all-powerful and can redeem and I would just say that's where I had to start. It was as much as I didn't want anything to do with that process. But slowly, with a great mentor in my life, a very godly man named Mike, I started to walk through that process with the grace and the help of our Lord and Savior as well. It wasn't easy. But I've got to do what Scripture asks me to do. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It was a process. It's still a process at 42 years old. It's not over. But it's in a much better place. I don't have um, any more anger or bitterness or... Um, there were times where my dad would call and I wouldn't want to answer the phone... That doesn't happen to be the case anymore. I want my kids to know their grandfather. Relationships are everything. 
I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And I know that's not easy either because they've broken so much trust and love that that makes it hard. But that's the first thing we're told is in the fruit of the Spirit is to love. And I understand that there are toxic relationships that can never be entered into again. I understand that. And those have to be left alone. But there are some that, because for me, uh, I didn't want to go there. It was easier to not than to. But again, through wise counsel, godly counsel, uh, and Mike, and then just a couple of different books that I read, and also just being in a lot of prayer about it. It was a slow process, but yet a process of renewing a relationship. Because relationships are everything. I'm reminded that um, there were better days than others. But what I would say is that there are people in the church, and I don't mean just the church in the walls in which you attend, but in the greater church, there are people that have walked through similar situations than, that we all have. And for me, there were some people that I turned to and asked questions to and said, hey, I know you had this relationship and you've reworked it and renewed it and watched God bring back healing and restoring a relationship. How did that happen? And so there's a bigger church that has walked through some of the things that we've all walked through. And those people are ones we need to lean on. Those are the ones we need to sit with and say, hey, walk me through what happened. How did God work? When did you see this? Here's what I'm scared of. Here's what I don't want to do. Walk me through some of that. And there's people here that sit in the midst of this church that have walked through very similar situations as we all have. So lean on them. If you don't know who they are, just start asking someone you trust. Hey, do you know anyone that da-da-da-da-da? You'd be surprised what God's done in the midst of the people here. So I remind us, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Before I forget, there's a good friend of mine that uh, helps out here named Sherman. And uh, you might, if you're struggling with one of those relationships, and you're like me, where you really wrestled with relationships. I haven't asked this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. You might need to just call Sherman here at the church and say, hey, can I just touch base with you about this? Sherman's a trusted friend that I love and uh, have worked through things in my own life with. Uh, and so I would just offer his name up that you might just say, hey, Sherman, uh, is there a way you can help me kind of start getting some thoughts around this? I'll leave you with this last verse before we move into communion this morning. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Which brings us to the whole idea of the love of God for us. From Genesis 3 through the end of the New Testament. That it's all about relationships. The New Testament about Christ coming living a life of service and sacrificial death that we might live, that we might live forever in eternity with him. 
that it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ that brings that about, that renewing of the relationship with God that was once broken because of the sacrifice and the broken body and the bloodshed and our acceptance of Christ as Lord and Savior, that we are renewed, the old is gone, the new has come, and that we are eternal beings with God the Father. And so this morning, as I think back to my own walk with God, there were times uh, that I wrestled with God why did you allow this? Or why did you let my dad? Or why did you this? Why didn't you just step in? And this morning as we come to communion with, um, with the juice and the cracker, I just want to ask you, as we spend just a couple moments in, in silence and thinking about this, I just want to ask you to think about communion and just a little different as we spend some time just kind of quiet before the Lord, that you might change a little bit of your thinking that was hard for me to do years ago. But it was this, it was, it was going from this idea, instead of saying, God, if you would have, to saying, God, thank you for. God, but you didn't. God, because you, God, you could have. And change those into, God, thanks for, God, you've blessed me by, God, you've been good in, and just try and see how God has shown up, how God has been faithful, how God has been there. A real confession from my own life is that I focus on the negative way too much. And this morning, as we sit with the bread and with the, the, the juice, may you just take a couple moments to say, God, thank you for, and then we'll partake together. So take these few moments in prayer. Love, the first of the nine listed in the fruit of the Spirit. We see it modeled through the life of Christ. We see it modeled as God goes back after Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. That it's about restoring and renewing relationships. Relationships with us, with Him, and that we might forgive that we might love, that we might be in unity with one another. So as we think about the communion elements this morning, may we remember they are God's love for us, Christ broken, that we might live. So let's take of the bread and of the juice today. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. You haven't forgotten us. You haven't forsaken us. You've been faithful with much. Help us, God, to see 
all that you have done, all that you've blessed us with. And God, so many times in my own life, I forget to see you in the little things. God, may you help me to see more clearly, more abundantly, all that you've done for my health, for my family, broken as it is, for my kids, for my wife, for the community in which I live, for the food on my table, for the bed in which I sleep, for the ability to live in a country of freedom and worship and come to church and not be persecuted. God, you're good. You're good in the good times and you're good in the hard times. May we know that more and more. May we know that more and more. Thank you, God, for this day. In Christ's name, amen.